the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. The sun's out. Are we in Ohio? <laughs> Let's uh Start uh, thinking positively. Rise up, start fresh, and see the bright opportunity in each new day. Let's oh, just lost my place. Hold on, folks. <laughs> it's a new day. Reinvent it. There's a good one. Monday is a fresh start. It's never too late to dig in and be- begin a new journey of success. Do I sound too chipper today? Well, you know the. Uh, Puxitani Phil did see a sh- did not see a shadow. I guess it is, but you know uh, that means spring's coming soon. Which I, uh, after sticking in my house for about a month because of this leg, uh, I'm I'm going stark raving mad. But uh, just to, I hate to pop, pop your bubble, but they found that Puxitani's only right thirty percent of the time. <laughs> so February's kind of a weird month, you know. Uh, the average return is negative. The median return is positive. It's kind of a strange, you know, scenario. So, uh, you know, and, and I, I was looking at some things, and I, the only index that I can see that's on a relative strength buy signal is the QQQs. Now, they're all on, you know, they all have positive trends, but they, they don't, you know, the only one is, the only index out there is uh, as positive as, as, as the QQQs on a, trend, uh, on a relative strength basis. Okay. Anyway, if you want to get any information that we talk about, and I'm sorry, I've been a little bit lax, and you know, it's because uh, I'm having some problems with the <laughs> my system here, uh, and going back and forth between uh, uh, my office and here. Uh, so I got I was a little had some problems getting my material out to people. So I apologize. Uh, happens sometimes, uh, not very rarely, but. Uh, you know, I tell you, if you ever had a knee replacement, the first three weeks are brutal. So uh, uh, hips, I guess, are a little bit easier on you, but, you know, take it from there. But if you want any information we're going to talk about today, because we're going to talk, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you about a couple pieces that we talked about that nobody sent in for, which is usually the best sign I can think of. Uh, go to WHK's webpage and they go to local podcast and go down to the Smart Investor Show and it takes you right to my webpage. And uh, there, there's all sorts of contact me and email me, and uh, you can get any of the information you want. You know, uh, by the way, the Insight Banner, uh, that goes to uh, another page, and we constantly are updating the information on that. We name names, folks, and uh, whether you like it or not, you know, those names are usually pretty good research. Uh, Under the bulletin board is uh, Rob Schleimer's Roadmap. Highly recommend it. Rob's one of the best technicians on the planet. And we also have our weekly newsletter there. So uh, 
it is what it is. If you'd like a wealth plan or the family inventory workbook, let's get organized. This is a new year. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Get organized. All right. There we go. All right. So uh, what are we going to talk about here? <laughs> let's talk. You know, let's see what Lori Calvacina, our head strategist, has been saying. Uh, you know, she she said there's a mixed bags of earnings so far. This this you know, at, and we're talking about the fourth quarter now. Okay, there was a twenty four percent increase in S and P five hundred results, and a twelve percent in the Russell two thousand. That's the one that really stands out, I think. But first, uh, uh, the beat rates on the S and P five hundred have been pretty decent so far uh, for the fourth quarter. Seventy five percent of the S and P five hundred companies are beating on consensus earnings per share. And that's a little worse than last quarter, by the way. And while 68 are beating on revenues, and that's a little better than last quarter, the Russell 2000, the percent on beating both earnings per share and revenue forecast, is tra- tracking just a little bit lower than last quarter. What's interesting is the reactions to those earnings per share beats have been lackluster. Isn't that interesting? So within the Russell 1000, the companies beating consensus earnings per share are essentially performing in line with the broader market. So, you know, it all depends who beats, right? Within the Russell 2000, the companies beating consensus are outperforming the broader market a little over the course of the next trading day, but a lesser degree than we saw last quarter. So that's interesting. And also, uh, while the bottom-up forecast for the S&P 500 has been stable, they slipped uh, for 2024 so far. So the bottom-up estimate for the S&P is tracking at roughly $222. That's up from 221, by the way. Meanwhile, the uh, 2024 bottoms up has slipped to 242. That's down from 245. So, it's you know, the near term is up. The long term is, you know, the one year out is uh, slipping a little bit. So, interesting thought process. I did think uh, there was some interesting quotes from uh, last week. Um Collectively, corporate America isn't giving investors a, c- a consistent message on the ma- macro b- backdrop or the outlook. There's been a wide range of views on how to characterize this, including cautiously optimistic, moderately muted, uncertain, optimistic, improving, similar to 2023, robust, strong, interesting, complex. All right. <laughs> they just roll the dice, I guess. Interest rates, the Fed, inflation, costs, and geopolitical concerns continue to be referenced throughout all of the outlook discussions. And a few companies also mention the U.S. elections now, so they're coming into view too. Uh, that you know that that's always an interesting scenario. Consumers to con- uh, continue to be described as resilient, healthy, strong for the most part. Uh, commentary on interest rates and the Fed was fairly middle of the road. Uh, some of the companies emphasizing they were they weren't anxious about the current level of rates, uh, and they they benefit from the clarity of interest rates policy. So we'll see what happens there. And and I think the other thing is really interesting is the discussion regarding inflation, costs, labor wages continue to emphasize them as challenges. All right. Now I did get a question from Mark. Uh, he emailed me. And he said, what is the real rate of inflation? And this is important because if you have an interest-bearing idea, a bond, for example, your interest rate has to, you know, you have to see how 
it is affected by rising prices. So if the prices are rising faster than your interest rates, you're in trouble. Okay, you're losing to inflation. So the real rate of inflation is the nominal rate of inflation minus inflation. Okay, I'm sorry, the nominal rate of interest rates minus inflation. So for those who are out there buying CDs and bonds, you have to take a look at that. Okay, so uh, some quick hits. Uh, Within the small caps are now seeing improvement in, in high quality. All right, that's what happened with large caps a while back. Uh, and the earnings gap between the 2025 earnings per share growth expectations for the top seven names in the in the S&P relative to the rest of the S&P is shrinking. Additionally, consumer discretionary is now showing the best revision profile in the S&P 500, and tech has slipped a little bit. So on sentiment, net bulls uh, continue to, to, to retreat last week. Uh, so there's been, you know, there's been some pressure on them because they went up to the bulls went up to 47, 48 percent. They're now down to 42. So uh, valuation is, is slightly better than inflation outlook uh, following last week's better than expected uh, PCE release. So that's that's a good that's a good positive um, on politics. The question about the 2024 election is is and its impact on the uh, U.S. equity markets starting to trickle in, okay? So uh, some people are starting to talk about a Trump victory. Uh, We stress we think it's too early to make a big call like that. But for the sake of conversation, um, you know, we we put a Trump agenda into our plans a little bit, so keep that in mind. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of things going on here that uh, people are not paying attention to, but some are. You know, uh, so there's things going on there. So, look, six months in a in, in politics is is a lifetime. So don't get too too cocky. Is what I'm saying. So, look, uh, Fed Chair Powell tried to push back on the near term rate cut expectations this week, but the market jumped right back. Isn't that interesting? So, pricing this week suggests markets remain concerned that if the Fed waits too long to start cutting rates, policymakers will have to cut them more, all right? So what is widely expected to be a rather uneventful first Federal Reserve meeting of the year proved to be anything but. Uh, the heightened market volatility around it may have been amplified by earlier events this week, but the Fed's relative reluctance to formally open the rate cut window sparked some interesting market reactions. What well, you know, like what my most would argue, uh, argue that the Fed was a bit late to the rate party in 2022, uh, and the underlying risk for the markets and the economy is it's also be, could be late for the rate cut party. You know, remember Powell. You know his track record is being overzealous. I mean, he started out in 2008 with the five interest rate cuts that he talked about, and the market pummeled, got pummeled. All right, so uh, you know he he his comments were were successful in, in culling the market pricing of a March rate cut. Uh, that probability faded to 30%. Um, and I think it was closer to 90% in January. So, you know, keep keep that in the back of your head. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe he's just doing what he's doing. But the one thing that bugged me a little bit was the ghosts of the banking stress uh, of the past came out. You know, uh, after that little uh, scenario for Mr. Powell, 
um, regional banks got killed. Uh, a couple of them fell by almost half. One one cut its dividend by seventy percent. All right, so uh, you know the regional banks, their balance sheets uh, are there's a lot of bonds and there's a lot of long term bonds in them, and uh, so that you know that's a problem. So it's a confidence game, and and turning back to the Fed, where things might go from here, we think inflation is still the name of the game. Um, this is probably the greatest disconnect between the Powell comments and the market's current sentiment. You know, the, the difference between the two, what lies there, okay? We think the clear takeaway is that the Fed still wants even more evidence and greater confidence. Uh, they may, that may be a problem going forward. So U.S. equities are on track for mixed results again. And, uh, you know, we just see the uh, quarterly earnings continue to come in and investors digest that rate decision. And then, you know, we go from there. But it, it's, it certainly is interesting. Um, but, you know, bonds are still beating inflation, okay? So uh, especially in the high-yield area. Now, high-yield bonds are stock surrogates. So if there is a correction that a lot of people are talking about, um, you know, they'll, they'll sell off a little bit. Might be a good time to take a look at them if you like high-yield bonds. They are a lot more risky than, than other bonds. But, uh, you know, we have found uh, in, in our, our look, uh, you know, bonds are back. I mean, asset allocation is back for the first time in, in, since I actually started this show probably. Um, and it's a new reality because, look, uh, there's there's still a possibility that there's a U.S. recession out there. I mean, the market is very tempered, and we had a big move in the in the uh, in the fourth quarter, but we also got killed in the third quarter. You got to remember that. So, the market looks out six to nine months ahead, right? So keep that in mind. But it could be that the, the big decisive shifts in fiscal and monetary policy over the past few years will continue to have lingering effects on the course of the U.S. economy for time, some time to come. You know, uh, GDP growth was very high. The employment number was really big. But if you, you know, if you dug down, you notice that, you know, that people are working less number of hours per week. So, uh, you know, it, it, the numbers were big, but if you, you dug into it, it wasn't as good as everybody thought it was. But we'll see. Uh, I will talk about something. You know, uh, look, a, a while back this summer, I talked about data centers and how to keep them cool. Boy, for those guys that didn't send in for that that newsletter. Now, there's a couple that were really hyper uh, crazy type stocks, but, uh, you know, some of those stocks are up 30, 40 percent. All right. And so a lot of them are up 20, 30 percent. So they they went through that period of time and held their own. So that's good. And I think that's going to continue. Uh, uh, but no new reports on that. That's the same report as this summer. But I have found when people don't send in <laughs> for these reports, that's usually the place you want to be. And uh, we only had like four people send in for the data centers. What's really interesting is the AI report. The top five stocks that they mentioned in there whew, have been home runs. <laughs> and nobody sent it for that report. Not one person. Isn't that interesting? So uh, I am going to talk about software primers. Uh, RBC has talked about, uh, we, we've had, uh, we had our software uh, conference back, our technology conference back at the end of uh, November. 
And one of the things we found was that product-led growth versus sales-led growth uh, is becoming more important. So what we talk about is go-to-market models or GTM models. And uh, we we started to focus on those models in our software area, and they made a kind of a change, which kind of screwed me up a little bit because I have to make some changes in my portfolios. But, uh, you know, there's several types of these GTM models, and there's the P, what they call the PLG, the SLG, the vertical-led growth, the freemium-led growth, the community-led growth, and the channel-led growth, and the acquisition-led growth. So those are all different models, and if you don't know what they are, you should probably get the report. <laughs> uh, but th- this uh, software team is really, really good. Uh, I mean, very good at what they do. So um, the 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 different uh, go-to-market models have led to different financial profiles. And that's what we're seeing. That's where uh, some of these uh, more intuitive uh, companies with under $100 billion in revenue could be big winners going forward. So just keep that in mind. Hey, um, but time to take a break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. They say we're young and we don't know We won't find out until we grow Well, I don't know if all that's true Cause you got me Hey friends, Bob France here for my good friends at G&J Waterproofing of Cleveland. You need to know those letters, G&J. That's all. If the basement is leaking, you've got problems and I've got solutions. What did I tell you those letters were? G&J waterproofing. That's it. Listen, only company you're going to need uh, if you want to handle your basement problems the right way for the right price and to do it right now. And the thing I love most about G&J the warranty. They've got the strongest warranty in the industry, literally twice as long as anybody else's. Now, how can you afford to give a warranty that long? When you know you're not going to have to do a lot of warranty work because you do the job right the first time. That's what they do. G&J has won every service award there is. Both the Better Business Bureau and Angie's List give them A ratings. That's what comes with 15 years of experience treating people and basements the right way. Go onto the website. Log on to gjwaterproofingofcleveland.com and then call this number, 440-687-6079. Get a free in-home inspection, 440-687-6079. Call now. Tired of your criminal record keeping you from a better job or apartment? Opportunity Court can help you seal your record. I kept losing out on jobs and housing when my criminal record came up. Then I got my record sealed through Opportunity Port. You can do it all on your phone and the process is free. Why wait? Now it's your turn. Go to OpportunityPort.org to learn more. Sponsored by Opportunity Port in cooperation with OAB and this station. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Uh, Lenny's known his age. He's got Sonny and Cher and Buffalo Springfield. <laughs> Great music, though. 
great tunes, though. All right. So uh, anyway, you know, let's talk a, a little bit about what's going on out there. You know, look, we we view the recent breakouts above the, what we call a two-year trading range, okay? Because we never we never gave up the long-term uptrend line, which is important. By the S&P 500, the industrial sector and the semiconductor group as technical evidence that the broader market is improving. Now, I've said the semiconductor, you know, we pound the table on the semiconductors back in the first week of uh, November. That was when Rob Schleimer's uh, quadrant balance weekly uh, oscillator was very oversold. And we talked about software and, and semiconductors, and they've really made big moves. So I, I think tactically, a pullback could appear. Uh, and, and Rob Schleimer's thinking the same way. So, um, by the way, there's several other groups that we used to follow that think the same thing. Um, but it, 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 look, we had a strong rebound through the third quarter. And the quadrant balance indicator in the, is it's still, you know, somewhat overbought. All right. Um, you know, and it, it probably has to get closer to, uh, you know, the, the 30, 40 range. Uh, and it probably will. All right. Um, but it doesn't mean that we have to go down. You know, this, this thing, it, it's a positive, it's a number of stocks that have positive weekly momentum. Okay. In the S and P 500. So it can go sideways or back off a little bit and still work its way down. So keep that in mind. Uh, Look, I, I'm very bullish on equities uh, through 2024, but, you know, they don't go straight up, okay? We had a big move in the fourth quarter. We had a pretty big move in January. As goes January, goes the year. Uh, so January was pretty positive. Uh, now, the, the, the first three days or four days of January were not positive. So, you know, usually it's it's the final month that, that it gets to it. But if you look at the S&P 500 on the short term, the daily momentum is overbought and it's kind of peaking at this point, uh, suggesting, you know, we could get a, a near term pullback, uh, might take hold, you know, uh, don't know exactly. I mean, uh, I think if, uh, Rob Schleimer is correct, he says the first support band is between 44, uh, and 4,800. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. The, the Russell, um, you know, we, we do have, uh, on, on, a weekly basis, the Russell is overbought. It had a huge move in the fourth quarter. We've been talking about small caps and actually Lori Calvacino was early. Uh, you know, they started to go up and then we had the little fiasco with uh, Silicon Valley Bank Group and we pulled all the way back. I think the one thing that bugs me about small caps is the relative performance to the S&P 500 has not broken out. All right. And and that's something that you got to keep in mind. And, uh, um, you know, I, I thought that uh, the semiconductor index would pull back, and I, it's really overbought. So I think it might go sideways for a while. I may be wrong on the pullback. I mean, some of these things are up 100% in three months, you know, some of these stocks. And uh, so I don't think you want to be chasing any of these things. Let them come to you, that type of thing. Uh, you know, I talked about the AI uh, stocks. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's. Uh, if you look, and I looked at this report again, and I talked about strong financial performances, and each one of those stocks, with the exception of one, there's like eight that they mentioned in that, are up like 
40, 50 percent since we put out this report, <laughs> some even more. Um, and we, we saw AI, uh, artificial intelligence integration into multi aspects of business operations. Almost every business is looking at this now. Okay. So they, they were right on that. The monetization is very important because the companies that aren't monetizing are getting beat up a little bit. There's still a GPU shortage. What is a GPU? GPU is what what they use to to create. It's like a server for artificial intelligence. Uh, by the way, we talked about the data centers and how hot these things run, and uh, we were right about that too. <laughs> so we're, we've been pretty right on this stuff. And we said capex growth and data center expansion would be big. And believe me, the GPUs uh, are they're backlogged big, and they run hot. And those themes are still important, very, very, very important. So keep that in the back of your mind. I, I also mentioned that in, on the June sixth or seventh, our friends Marshfield come into town. Uh, they're an outside money manager. I love I love these guys, but uh, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's important how you do in down markets. And if you'd like a, a copy of their information, please let us know. But they will be in town. Uh, it does. It's a sizable investment. It's, it's two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. So uh, it, I think it's worth it. So if you'd like to come, please let us know. Uh, give me an email. You can get that on going to WHK fourteen twenty. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, which can take you directly to my webpage. There's all sorts of contact me and email me while you're there. Take a look at uh, bulletin board, Bob Rob Schleimer's stuff. All right, so uh, I had ten questions uh, about the chip industry, and guys were all gung ho to buy this stuff. Sorry, I bought this stuff last spring. I, I bought a little bit of a couple names, and they did blow the cover off the ball in their earnings. Uh, they sold off, though. So I think these things at best are going to go sideways for a while. So I've got a list of really good names. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. By the way, nobody asked for the chip industry portfolio <laughs> uh, research back in November. Not one person. Nobody talked about the AI those AI names are up 50, 60%. Some of the chip, the three top chip names are up over 80. Okay. So I love it when people don't uh, <laughs> uh, send in for this stuff because usually that's a good, good idea. Now, I, I'm going to talk about something again, and th this is a, a little bit more of an aggressive position. Okay. We're not talking about buying the normal healthcare stocks, but there's a lot of disruptive forces in healthcare, you know, tech. Alternative sites and value-based care are reshaping healthcare delivery. Uh, there's some great potential within this digital healthcare space. Uh, stock price performance over the last three years has been stymied by higher interest rates and competitive intrusions. So I think the fundamental outlook look remains very, very healthy. I, I like healthcare. It's, it's the cheapest it's been in, in my history outside of Hillary Care, and I think Hillary Care was it was pretty cheap back then. So, uh, you know, look, value-based care remains very large. Adoption is accelerating, and consolidation has begun to, to happen very quickly. 
So it's coupled with the prospect of lower rates, we think, begins to bring the group back into favor again. All right. Uh, against this backdrop, we are refreshing our views. And, you know, I, I think an educational primer on what we see is very important right now. OK. Um, now, these are aggressive stocks. OK. But artificial intelligence, virtual health. New site alternatives, you know, that's the type of stuff you're going to hear about come going forward if you haven't already heard about it. Payment reform is another big one. And it's been well documented that healthcare spending in the U.S. continues to grow at a very unsustainable rate. So we're firm believers that technology uh, and increasing consumerization and adoption of new payment reimbursement models will play a pretty critical role in driving the much needed optimization in this group. Uh, so, look, uh, I think there's some guiding principles. Digitalized, automated, delivery at home eventually will be there probably. And nearly all the healthcare data has been digitalized now. You know, I, I had an operation. They have all the operations, you know, at University Hospital and, and uh, Cleveland Clinic. You can see them all. You know, so they're all on, on, on board. See if there's any complications, any problems, you know, that type of thing. So, Generative AI is going to help here a lot, all right? So I, I can't tell you how important it is for that AI information. You know, some of these stocks are going to be rocket ships. Uh, and, uh, you know, sure, there's some of them in the Magnificent 7. Magnificent 7 is not going away. They're, they're, what we'll probably see is their rate of growth will slow down compared to the rest of it, uh, S&P 500. So, but tech and alternative care sources are helping the system deliver better care and experience at, at much lower cost. So at the same time, is better equipping the providers to participate in value-based programs. And the companies that can do that are going to be home runs. Believe me on that. So, so look, should investors want exposure here? You know, we expect the digital space to outperform for the first time in several years in our 2024 outlook. All right. So we're looking at we expect some help from these several things. First of all, accelerating revenue growth is most of the HCIT companies will be lapping easier 2023 uh, comps. You know, 2023 and 2022 were tough because interest rates are going up. Uh, the second thing is even faster to EBITDA. You don't know what EBITDA is? That's called cash flow, folks. All right. Cash flow progression is nearly all the companies has intensified focused on profitability over the last several years. So, and, and I think the third thing is M&A consolidation continues and it's picking up, all right? And innovation continues to accelerate. And then finally, evaluations are near multi-year lows. Now, these things are, they're aggressive positions, okay? They're not for widows and orphans, okay? Uh, we'll keep it at that. Now, the other thing is uh, we think small cap stocks are the place to be. and. Uh, it, we think now's the time. So uh, we have a small cap list, too. But let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investment Show. Stay tuned. You and me, we were the pretenders. We let it all slip away. In the end, what you don't surrender. Everyone wants to know what's going to change. What can we expect in the future? Heck, I want to know too. But in plumbing, 
The important stuff is what's not going to change. People are always going to want their call answered by a real human who can help them. And they're always going to want an honest, do-it-right plumber to fix the problem wallakadoodle style. And they're always going to want that to happen today, not tomorrow. So at Wyatt Works, that's what we focus on. That's why we're introducing same-day water heater replacement. Because let's face it, no one wants to take a cold shower in the morning after they discover a broken water heater. Well, maybe some health nut who likes cold plunging. But most of us want that hot water. So when you call Wireworks for a broken water heater, we'll get your replacement installed and installed right that same day. We'll even wallakadoodle it by taking away your old one and clean it up like we've never been there. Just call Wireworks and consider it done. Did you know that driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal? And if you drive high, law enforcement can definitely tell. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Here we come, walking down the street. We get the going back. Everyone we meet. You remember the monkeys, you're, you're, you're getting old. <laughs> anyway, as... We left off. I talked about, you know, uh, Lori Calvacine and RBC Capital Markets think the time is now and we're very bullish on small caps. Now, uh, I'll send these out and I just want you to know that, hey, folks, uh, this is not for everybody. You know, it's not for widows and orphans and all that good stuff. So now I, I will say that it is a great time. It's a new year. OK, we're we got 11 more months to go. It's time to get organized. Wealth management questionnaire. Sometimes it takes two weeks to fill out. Sometimes it takes two months. But it's better to get it started now. Okay. Uh, look, we can put the, we can give you a probability. We can't, you know, do what ifs, uh, but you don't have to be a client. You know, all we'll do is set you up on our mailing list and you'll get an email occasionally. All right. Uh, so you can get a wealth management questionnaire via email. We, we don't bite. <laughs> we don't even harass you. Uh, most people say, why don't you call me all the time? And I said, I'm not going to do that. You know, if you want to hear from us, let me know, and I'll be glad to talk to you. If you don't, I'm not going to bug you. That's not my style, okay? So the point is, is that uh, it, it's a time to get the wealth management questionnaire done. You don't have to be a client. We'll send out a, a copy of your wealth plan. Uh, it'll give you an idea, a probability of your success or your failure. Okay. Now, if you want to talk about that and how to improve it, that'd be a pretty good idea, especially if you were below 80%. All right. Also, the family inventory workbook. Um, I just had another gentleman tell me, uh, you know, he, he, he just got divorced after 45 years of being married, which I was sorry to hear. Uh, and he had the family inventory workbook, and his wife's lawyer didn't believe him. So he said, here it is. That's everything I have. And uh, his wife eventually fired the, 
his ex-wife, I should say, eventually fired the lawyer and said, let's do this, you know, uh, on a friendly basis. And it worked out fairly well for him. So the wealth management questionnaire, it's out there. It puts everything at your fingertips. Believe me, if you've ever had to deal with somebody's legacy, sometimes this stuff can get really, really complicated. Uh, you know, I, I had a couple doctors um, who I still do business with. They're great folks. I went to their house. They had literally about a million dollars worth of, uh, by the way, they said, I, I talked to them last Thursday and they said I could talk about this. They had a million dollars worth of stock certificates sitting on their their living room uh, table. And I said, I suggested that they put those in the account just in case. <laughs> and they did. And, uh, you know, we've been friends ever since. They're great folks, uh, but, you know, they, they, they don't have time to put all this stuff together. So we actually did it together. You know, we talked about their insurance, where it was, who it was with, blah, 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 you know, uh, where their other brokerage accounts were. Now they can go to their RBC account to see all their brokerage accounts. Isn't that interesting? You can see all of them. So something to, to keep in mind. Uh, now, a lot of people uh, say they don't have time for that. And my suggestion is you don't have time not to. <laughs> now, I did talk to a couple guys this week uh, who had small businesses, and I suggested to them that we do have some good friends over at Dunbar Bender who can help. I I've been surprised at how good these guys are at helping as far as getting more money put away. Uh, and, you know, they. They cost a couple bucks, uh, but they're amazing. They've, they, in one case, they twenty uh, percent higher than than the guy thought he could put away. Twenty percent higher, so twenty percent they could hide for Uncle Sam more each year. That's a lot. So if you if you've got a small company and you want to look at your retirement plan or have somebody else look at your retirement plan, I have some people that'll help you. Uh, leave it at that, okay? So I uh, just I mention that all the time simply because some people don't. You know, like I said, life gets in the way, you know, and uh, where do you go from there? So anyway, I was looking at uh, a lot of charts this weekend, and boy, I got some really good, interesting ideas. One that looks really, really good, and our couple of our good friends, uh, one that's left us, who's a great analyst, great guy, by the way, too, and uh, his his counterpart that picked him up, it's his favorite stock, and I tend to talk to people, I'll talk to some people on Friday about that, we'll talk to more, but... Large cap growth remains leadership, and it's probing new highs versus value, uh, while mid-cap growth versus value is re resolving its trading range uh, to the upside. Small cap growth versus value is, is in the early, early stages of uh, reversing, uh, so we'll see what happens there. But one of the things that uh, Rob Schleimer talks about is the high beta, which is the cyclicals. That includes the industrials, the semis, those type of things. Versus the low volatility or safety trade. Now, look, you can't stuff all your stock, all your money into those stocks, okay? But what we're seeing is we remain bullish on that, that high beta cycle versus the, the, the safety stocks. So you just don't want to put everything in there. And, you know, by the way, that would include financials and some other things. I don't know if you want to be in banks. Okay, because of what the what the Fed's doing, but uh, you know we'll leave it at that. Now, I I did see, uh, you know, it, if you look at charts and you look at the month the S and P five hundred monthly chart, 
we there's been an uptrend line that's you know basically started back in 2009 at the bottom. You know, and on the show we kind of said we thought we were at a generational low back in March of, of 2009, and uh, and then we kind of pound the table back in 2020 uh, at the bottom of the you know we said the bullish bullish percent was a very low number and and the quadrant balance indicator was an extremely low number and we said it's probably a, a good time to buy and I'm not a lot of people sold then which was uh, uh, crazy I, I had some people sell this fall which or take money away from uh, some some of the best money managers on the planet, which didn't make, they just got scared, you know, uh, didn't make sense at all. But look, we remain positive above what I call the zero axis, which is, uh, you know, the 200 day moving average or the 200 week moving average, I should say, uh, 200 month moving average, I guess it is. So that's been the, the four year, uh, the four year moving average remains important long-term support and we've held it. So uh, I, I think you'd have to have a break below 4,200 and then a break below 3,500 before you really got, you know, really worried. But if we look at the relative performance of the S&P 500 versus bonds, it broke out. Okay. So, you know, bonds are good. Stocks are still better. And, you know, I, I talked about that last week over a period of time, stocks have outperformed bonds in almost every category. So uh, now, one of the things that I am seeing is the advanced decline line uh, is is breaking out. And if I look at the ratio of S&P 500 versus the TLT, it's broken out. But if I look at the advanced decline line, it's at new highs. Now, I will say this, uh, you know, some of those uh, are bond funds, okay, in the S&P 500. Uh, so, but it's still, it's, it's a positive scenario. So let's put it that way. So, Look, uh, we've had a two-year consolidation. Most people will call that a bear market. Most tactical people will call it a bear, you know a, a sideways market with a, you know a pause. Uh, look, in 1987, we had a 25% fall in, in basically a week. All right, so uh, that that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> but you know, usually in bull markets. In structural bull markets, which are 16 to 18 year bulls, all right, uh, we've had three major uh, bull and bear markets. Okay, you know we had from 1929 to 19, uh, called 50, from 50 to 70. Uh, well, um, was it was a uh, bull market, and then we had a bear market, then we had a bull, and, and you know, but during these periods of time, the the bear markets that occur within the bull markets. Uh, are just, they're not structural, okay? They're just bear markets. They usually take longer. I mean, take uh, they happen quicker. And the reason this took so long is because the Fed was slowly but surely inching up interest rates. And uh, this two-year consolidation uh, is, is positive. You know, it's it's not not the end of the, the world. Now, you know, one of the things that we pound the table on back in the fall was, uh, you know, Rob Schleimer uses the quadrant balance uh, a weekly quadrant balance oscillator, and it was very, very oversold, and, and now it's overbought. And so, you know, you you dance with a girl that brought you to the dance, right? Uh, and you know, right at the moment, we're overbought. So the weekly momentum is probably going to be uh, a little bit tough. Now, one of the things that Lori Calvestina, we we're emphasizing this is that the bulls 
got up to uh, 47%, 48% actually. Um, no, I'm sorry, 53% was the high for the bullish sentiment on the AAI I pull. It's now down to 39, which is positive. And the bears got to less than 20. So less than 20% of the people out there were bears. Now it's up at 26%. So that's getting better, okay? Uh, much, much better. And, th- and then lastly, the, the one of the things that uh, Rob talks about is the percentage of stocks above their 200-day moving averages and 50-day. And those are fairly overbought uh, and pausing. All right, so there we go. But remember, seasonality is important. And uh, you know, like I said, February is a month where the average is negative. The median is positive. So it's kind of a weird month. Uh, you know, there are times when the first couple weeks of, of February are really bad, and then the last two weeks are good and vice versa. So it's just, you know, keep, keep it at that. I will say this. If I look at the New York Stock Exchange Index, which has a lot of, you know, like bond funds in it, the stock-only AD line is lagging. Uh, and that mostly in smaller caps. You know, and the New York Stock Exchange is a lot bigger index than the S&P 500. So we're still missing that, uh, you know, the the Russell and the relative performance that we need. Uh, Now, the Russell has pulled back to support. So so hopefully it'll hold here and we'll take it from there. But that that relative to the S&P 500, the Russell is still in the downtrend. So we we need that kind of. Uh, break that long-term downtrend line before you get really crazy on on uh, the small caps, okay? So just keep that in the back of your head. Um, now, uh, you know, I, I would suggest that one of the things I've been talking about for some time is dividend growth stocks. Now, Fed policy, you know, has been very aggressive on, on raising interest rates. And what that's done is it's taken the valuation of of dividend growth stocks down to a very compelling level versus the broader market. Uh, dividend stocks yields versus fixed income are, you know, you got rising yields on fixed income investments during 2023. That was a headwind for dividend stocks. People were pulling their money out of there and buying uh, bonds, which I think they'll live to regret, by the way. Uh, but, well, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and Lincolns was setting the pace? That story is true. I'm here to say I was driving that Model A. It's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. I know you've thought about how much you would enjoy a new deck or patio, maybe a fire pit, a space covered with a roof. Maybe the only thing stopping you is knowing who to call next. I've got your company. They've worked with many fish listeners. I'm with my friend Patrick from Architect. Patrick, people want to get going. What's the next step? Yeah, we typically ask people to start on our website, architect.com, and then, you know, they give us a call. We go out and meet with them, analyze the space, ask them a bunch of questions on how they see themselves using the space, so that way we can design something that 
meets their needs. You guys do really nice work, and you do just about anything. We do everything from basic decks and patios to more elaborate combination projects, deck and a patio, and then we do a lot of covered porches and covered patios. We take care of all the structural drawings, so we submit everything for the permits, and then we take care of all the inspections. So start to finish, customers don't have to worry about any of that. Next up, people should go to your website and see some of your work. Easiest way to connect with us is architect.com and check out our expanded service area. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. And he goes from Hot Rod Lincoln to some uh, hard jam here. <laughs> he's, he's incredible. Anyway, uh, look, uh, we were talking about dividend growth stocks and, and uh, just at the end of the last se- uh, sequence. And uh, one of the things that happened is we had the biggest rise in interest rates in, in history. So people took money out and bought bonds, which uh, may be good, I guess, I, uh you know, in the long run, um, I'm not going to question what, what you're thinking about there. Less risk. There is some inflation risk, you know, and there's going to be some reinvestment risk. But the key is, uh, I think the Fed's done. And when you get to lower rates, that becomes very, very beneficial for dividend stocks. And if you look at the relative valuation uh, for dividend stocks, they're almost, uh, you know, back in 2021, when I first started talking about this in 2022, they were two standard deviations below uh, their average valuation. And they're one in, well, they're 0.85, uh, 1.85 standard deviations below uh, current valuations uh, uh, or their normal valuations currently. So uh, it's it's a good time to pay close attention to this. Now, I will say the high yield spread is is quite high. It's about 4% above dividends. But remember, you know, high yield spreads, uh, they, they tend to move pretty quickly. So you better be, uh, you know, you, if you can get uh, a very high quality dividend from a high quality company uh, at 3% or 25 that's raising itself every 6 or 6% per year, you're going to do really well over a long, long period of time. Investment grade spread is, is uh, two or three percent. Uh, question is, will it be there for long? And I think there's going to be some strong long-term returns for dividend growth stocks going forward. Uh, High-quality businesses that consistently grow their dividends—you can't fake a dividend, folks. All right, the guys in the markets will be all over these things like white on rice. So. You can't do that. Investors of, of all types uh, can benefit from a uh, growing income stream. So, uh, look, EBITDA is something that people watch all the time. You know, that's what the private equity firms are looking at, companies that do not manage their cash flow well, that they can buy cheap, double their cash flow multiple, and then sell, okay? Uh, so there's lots of money with cash flow, and with cash flow comes dividends, increasing dividends. And if you look at the return, 
of let's say a hundred dollars uh, from t- 1990 till now, you'd have probably four thousand forty one hundred dollars in in returns with a dividend growth policy versus uh, the S and P 500, which would be you know somewhere in the 2,200 range. So um, these the dividend aristocrats are important. And look, none of us are getting younger. The, po- the population projections for the 65 years and older. Uh, are get you know we're going to be up to twenty five percent of the population concerns. So what gr- you know with growing dividends, you have growing cash flows. All right, it's that simple. So while bonds may protect you from the oh the market volatility, uh, markets are going to go up and down. By the way, bond markets have been much more volatile than stock markets over the last four years, five years. So just remember, keep that in the back of your mind. So. You just can't watch the bond market every day. Why do you think the bank charges you to get out of your CD early? Because there's a market hit, okay? Um, But, you know, dividend investing is a lot like owning rental properties, you know? And and the primary concerns of rental properties are, are your units rented? Are the tenants making rent payments on time? Do I have the ability to raise rents? Can I remove or replace a bad tenant? And, you know, they're less concerned about the value of the property on a day-to-day basis, what they're more worried about is the long-term appreciated growth. So, you know, uh, if you look at a, uh, a dividend stock, are my companies making their dividend payments? Are they, they growing their dividends over time? Can I remove and replace an underperforming company? Yes. A lot easier than I can sell a property, by the way. And investors should be less concerned with day-to-day price fluctuations. Use the weakness to buy yield. Yield is up. Use the weakness to buy yield, okay? So there we go. So, uh, look, I think we're in this long-term bull market, all right? This is Tim Hayes' view. And by the way, I, I've got other people thinking the same way, uh, our people. And these these markets take 16 to 18 years. People ask me why I keep talking about this, because it's important. You know, these guys on the TV want you to be in and out, in and out. I want to be in the fastest-growing stock. You know, I had a guy who was up 32%. He said, I'm not giving him enough ideas. Well, the ideas I gave him were working. You know, how many people were up 31% last year? You know, the guys give me a hard time about, I don't have enough ideas. He's listened to a guy's where he works, who, who are working in the back office. <laughs> you know, uh, I got some questions about that. Anyway, look. We established another cycle low at the four-year moving average. Remember, we have these four-year cycles, and they're repetitive. And they're basically there because of central bank liquidity and economic growth. We just started a new one. Just started a new one. So usually during those four-year cycles, in a a structural bull market, which started in 2016, we probably have till 2034 or or beyond uh, as a bull market. So... If if the bull market just does what it did in the last two major bull markets, which occurred from 1929 to uh, 1964 and from, you know, uh, 1992 or 1982 to uh, 2000, you know, we, we had 2,300 percent moves. If we just have a 2,000 percent move, sounds like a lot. That would be 13,500 on the S&P to 14,000. We're at 4,800 right now. We've got a long way to go, folks. You know how much money is going to be made during that period of time? You know how many dividends are going to be increased? Sure, there'll be scary times. Just remember, 
There's always been scary times. And the weak hands get out during those scary times. The strong hands stay with it and buy good companies. Leave it at that. Hey, in the meantime, go to WHK1420 Smart Investor, uh, a local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. You go directly to my webpage. You can get the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. I talked about the healthcare, the digital healthcare. Uh, we have our data centers, our A1. We've got a lot of stuff, small caps. Uh, if you want them, let us know. Don't forget a wealth plan, the family inventory workbook. If you'd like to have a conversation with me, sit down with a cup of coffee. Please let me know. In the meantime, the sunshine is, folks, <laughs> we're in Ohio and the sunshine is February. Have a great weekend. And remember to buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.